life is filled with moments. And to help encourage powerful moments with the Lord each and every day, Dr. David Jeremiah has written a new book called Moments with God. This beautiful year-long devotional makes a wonderful companion to your personal Bible study. When you give a generous year-end gift of $120 or more to Turning Point, you'll receive a Moments with God devotional four-pack, one for you and three to share. Donate online at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Welcome to Turning Point. As you prepare for the new year ahead, Are you planning to read God's Word or praying that God's Word will change your life? Today, Dr. David Jeremiah examines the difference between the two as they were addressed by the Apostle Paul in his prayer for the Colossians. Listen as David introduces his special and timely message, A Prayer for the New Year. And thank you once again for joining us. I know this is kind of a recovery day for everybody, but I hope yesterday was wonderful. So exciting um, to be with family members, and I'm sure many memories made for the future, and everything um, so exciting when you know the real meaning of Christmas. We have had an incredible response to the movie, Why the Nativity? Um, The numbers of um, views are still coming in from all the social media platforms, and the Stations that carried it are telling us great things. We are so thankful for the privilege of sharing this story this year. Still a chance for you to watch it. If you haven't done so already, go to whythenativity.org. There you will find all that you need to watch this movie in your own home. And even though it's the day after Christmas, it will still be vital and meaningful. Today we're going to talk about a prayer. It's one of my favorite prayers in the New Testament. Paul prayed this prayer for the Colossian believers, and it's filled with meaning for every day of the year, but especially for this time of the year as we look forward to the beginning of a brand new uh, 12-month period we call a year. So let's let this prayer wash over our hearts today as we prepare for the new year. As I thought back over the years that I've been preaching and as I thought about the emphasis for this day, I tried to remember if I could the one thing that I would say to you on this day based upon what I have been preaching and teaching. Immediately there came to my mind a message that I have given in conferences across the country wherever I have been asked what we are all about what Turning Point is about, what Shadow Mountain is about, what we personally are about. It is a passage of scripture in the book of Colossians that contains a prayer from the great apostle Paul for some people that he had never met in his life. In Colossians chapter 1 and beginning in verse 9, we have one of the most succinct statements of the importance of the word of God in our life. And it's found in the form of a prayer. Most of you know that when the apostles wrote letters in the New Testament, they often wrote out the prayers that they had in their hearts for the people to whom they were writing. And here in Colossians, we have Paul's prayer, his prayer for the Colossian believers. And while he had never met the Colossians, he had gotten a letter from a man by the name of Epaphras, who had told him something about them, and he knew their needs. And this prayer has been a signature statement from the Word of God to me for many years. Whenever I feel like I'm wavering a little bit in what God has called me to do, I come back to this passage of Scripture, 
And I am reminded of what a great calling it is to be a Christian and to have in our hands the unsearchable riches of God's grace in printed form. Paul wrote this prayer, beginning at verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that ye may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now I need to tell you that Paul's prayer for the Colossians is my prayer for us. First of all, for me and for any who will hear my voice in any way that it's uh, presented. That we might have as the fulfillment in our lives the prayer that Paul prayed. Now the prayer goes on to verse 14, but the core of the prayer itself, the actual request of the prayer, is here in the ninth verse. Paul is praying that the people to whom he is writing will be filled with the will of God in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And every single word in that prayer is critical. For the request is simply that God's people who name the name of Jesus Christ will take seriously this book we call the Bible. And it may surprise you to learn that not all Christians take seriously the Bible. And yet the Bible is available in more than 1800 languages. Someone has observed that the worst dust storm in history would happen if all church members who were neglecting their Bibles dusted them off at the same time. <laughs> I read about a very religious father whose son was going off to Europe to study for the ministry. And the father was very, very concerned about his son going into the hotbed of reductionism and all of the things that could destroy his faith. And he kept warning him not to let those professors over there steal the word of God from him. And his great concern were some of the books in the Bible that were under heavy attack and have always been under heavy attack, one of which was the book of Jonah. And his father used to say to him, don't let them take Jonah from you. Don't let them take Jonah from you. The boy went off to school kind of with a smile on his lips. And when he came back, one of the first questions his father wanted to ask him was whether or not they had taken Jonah away from him. He said, well, I don't know what difference it makes, Dad, because he said, you don't believe in Jonah. You don't even have Jonah in your Bible. His father said, well, that's ridiculous. I certainly do. And he went to his Bible and he looked up in the index, the book of Jonah, and turned to the page. And sure enough, someone had taken a razor blade and taken the book of Jonah out of his Bible. The three pages of Jonah were missing. And the young boy, in sort of a smart-alecky way, said, Well, I did that before I left, and obviously you didn't notice. He said, What difference does it make if you lose Jonah by criticism or you lose it by neglect? And I sucked in my breath when I read that story. Because I suppose that for all of us here, there might be sections of the Bible like that. I mean, I don't camp in the book of Leviticus very often, and neither do you, or Deuteronomy, some of those important ceremonial sections of the Bible. But when we set our mind to read the whole Word of God, ultimately we get the Word of God in our thinking, and we know where the books are and what's going on in the Scripture. I think that Paul's prayer takes it to the next level, and that's what I want to talk with you about today. 
See, it's one thing to know the word of God and its content and to understand what it says. And Paul is not satisfied simply with that accomplishment on the part of the Colossian believers. Read carefully what his request is. He says, my prayer for you is that you might be filled with the will of God in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now he uses a number of terms in this verse which we need to understand. The will of God and the wisdom of God are synonymous with the word of God. You find the will of God in God's word. You find the wisdom of God in God's word. So the foundational truth is the word of God. And what Paul was praying, first of all, was that his Colossian believers might be filled, that is, they might be saturated, they might understand and completely know the word of the Almighty God. But notice he adds this little phrase, that you might be filled with the will of God in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And that's where we take a detour so often. We fill our minds with the truth of the word of God, but the spiritual understanding part escapes us. For you see, to be filled with the will of God in all wisdom is to know and to acquire the information that's between the covers of the Bible. But to have it in spiritual understanding is to know how to apply it to your life so that you can make it work every day. And Paul was praying for them, as I am sure he prays for us and I pray for us, that we would not just be people known as those who carry a black Bible under our arm to church and know the truth basically that's in the book, but we have allowed this book to change our lives. And we have said to Almighty God, whatsoever you say, I will do. And we have started the lifelong process of applying the words of the Bible to everyday situation. I confess to you that the gap in our evangelical churches today is not necessarily the gap between what we should know and what we don't know. But the gap is between what we do know and what we have not applied in our lives. Or there wouldn't be such dropout in holy living and in righteous standards in our churches. We wouldn't have the same divorce statistics as the world has. We wouldn't have all of the problems that we have among Christian people if we were taking the word of God and applying it to our lives. And sometimes people say, well, Pastor Jeremiah, we don't know how to do that. One of the reasons why when I preach, I work so hard on application is because that's where the problem is. My friend John MacArthur up the road here a ways told me one time that he thought the glass doors at the Grace Community Church were really not glass doors at all. They were gigantic erasers disguised as glass doors. And I asked him why, and he said, because when I preach the word of God, they hear it. And somehow when they walk through those doors, it erases everything they heard. And I said, why do you say that? He said, because it doesn't seem to show up in their life. And I suppose there's not a preacher on the face of the earth who teaches the word of God who doesn't have that kind of once in a while thought in his heart when he sees the things that we all are prone to do. Paul wants to take us beyond that. He wants us to go to the next level. And my prayer is that we will never be content just to be biblically literate. 
That we will not say, I'm smarter about the Bible than anybody else. That we won't say, I go to Dr. Jeremiah's church or I go to Shadow Mountain Church and they teach the Bible. And boy, we know the Bible there. What good does it do if it doesn't change our lives? If it doesn't make us live in accordance with the principles of this book? So Paul is the great motivator that he is. Takes the request to the next step. And he reminds us that when we take the word of God into our lives in all wisdom, that's knowledge, that's the acquisition of truth, and spiritual understanding, that's the application of truth. When we take that formula and put it to work, there are certain things that are going to happen. Read on in the Bible in verse 9. As it goes into verse 10, it says that you be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Now you will notice in verse 10 that there's just a bunch of little phrases put together that describe what will happen to a person who takes the word of God in all wisdom and spiritual understanding into his life. The first thing that will happen is he will be pleasing the Lord constantly. Notice what it says. It says, that you may please, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Now, what does that mean? That means that a person who has studied the word of God, not just for its content, but for marching orders for life, when he takes the word of God into his life and he begins to live that way, he gets a confidence in his life that he is pleasing God by what he does. You know, we have a crisis in the church with the will of God. Everybody wants to know, is it God's will for this or God's will for that? Or can I do this? And sometimes young people want to know, is it all right to go this far in this situation? And you know what I think? The crisis in the will of God gives us all away. Because when you know the word of God, then you know the Lord Jesus Christ who is spoken of in the word of God. And when you know the Lord and you know him better, the better you know him, the more you know what pleases him. The crisis isn't in the will of God. The crisis is in our knowledge of who God is. And frankly, sometimes when you hear Christians talking, you have to wonder if they know the same God you know. When they talk about the things that they feel comfortable with in their life, you know that they could not know the God you know very well. Certainly not the God of the Bible. There's a principle that's true in every relationship that I know. And that is the better you know somebody, the better you know what pleases them. My wife and I have been married now for a number of years. And you know what? She communicates more to me with a look in her eye than she used to with a long sentence or a discussion. In fact, she has certain looks that are unmistakable. (laughs) I know exactly what they mean. She doesn't have to say a word. And you know, it's interesting, isn't it? When you live with someone, when you get to know that person little by little, the better you know them, the more you know what pleases them. And by the way, what doesn't please them as well. I've told some of you about the days when we were in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I was a pastor starting Black Hawk Baptist Church in Fort Wayne, and I was so motivated and aggressive and built more for speed than comfort, I'm afraid, always in a hurry, always trying to get to the next appointment, always, you know, wanting to go and knock on somebody's door and tell them about the Lord and see the church grow, and I got into kind of some habits 
I would call my wife when it was time for us to go uh, to an appointment and I would say, honey, I'll be home in about 10 minutes and we need to be ready to go because we just got a short time. I'd cut the corners as close as I could. One winter day, I'll never forget it, I went home. I pulled into the driveway and I thought, well, she knows I'm coming. I called her and I'll just wait. And she, she didn't come out right away, so I made the fatal mistake of beeping the horn. Now, I got to tell you, I waited and I waited and she didn't come out. And finally, it was in the winter. I went in and she had her coat on. She was all ready to go and she was seated on the couch just like this. And my friends, I tell you, had I not go in there, I would still be sitting in that driveway with the motor running. And I learned something that day. You can ask Don if she remembers me ever beeping the horn again since that day. I learned to know something about her that day. You, you, you just don't do that. And you know what? In our personal relationships, we have a mirror of the relationship with Almighty God. My friend, if you spend time in this book, which reveals Jesus Christ, and you learn to know who God is, you will get to know him so well, according to Paul's prayer, that you will be walking according to his will. You will be pleasing him all the time. You will just have this settled confidence in your life that your life is pleasing to God. Wouldn't it be worth something to have that, to take away the question marks and the doubt, just to know I'm in the word of God and I know who God is. And this is, I mean, some issues for Christians are a slam dunk, aren't they? If you know who God is, if you know what he's all about. Well, Paul goes on to say that if you follow along and you, you let the word of God fill you with all wisdom and spiritual understanding, not only will you be pleasing the Lord constantly, but notice what he says in the next verse. He says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work. The next thing that will happen when you fill your mind and your heart with the word of God and you determine to let the word of God not just be a subject, but be a life map, you will discover that you become productive as a Christian. I used to try to drum people up to do stuff they should have done automatically. Used to get up in the pulpit and lay guilt on them about visitation or serving in the Sunday school and all of that. And it suddenly dawned on me that if a person's walking in the spirit and living in the word of God, one of the things that ought to be normal and natural is that they're productive. And the Bible uses this phrase, you will be producing fruit. What does it mean to be a fruitful Christian? I remember some years ago, I went through my Bible and I started to write down all of the things the Bible says about being fruitful. And there's some very interesting things. First of all, did you know that a fruitful Christian has the right kind of character? Because in the book of Galatians, it says that the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and long suffering. The fruit of who we are is our character. In the book of Romans, it talks about conduct fruit. It says in Romans, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? And at the end of the passage, it says, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Did you know that what you do is fruit? Now keep the list carefully in your mind because if you do, you won't forget it. Fruit is character, who you are, and it's conduct, what you do. But fruit is more than that. Thirdly, fruit is conversation, what you say. Did you know that? The words of your mouth 
are the evidence of your production and fruitfulness. In the book of Hebrews, it speaks of the words of your mouth as the fruit of your lips. (laughs) Did you ever see that verse? It's the fruit of your lips. And there in that passage, it's talking about praise and worship. So that when you come to church and you sing praise to God, that's being fruitful. When you sing in the choir and lead others in praise, that's a fruitfulness in your life. Here's another one I found. Did you know that to be a fruitful Christian, it's not only character, who you are, and conduct, what you do, and conversation, what you say, but it's contributions, what you give. You say, now wait a minute, that sounds like a Baptist preacher threw that in there just for emphasis. But did you know that that's an actual statement in the Word of God? When Paul was writing to the Romans, he said one place in the book of Philippians, he talked to them about their gift being fruitful. He said, I do not seek the financial gift, he said, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. So when we give money to God's work, that's another evidence of being fruitful. And finally, the one we most always know is that when you win someone to Christ, when you have a convert and you share your faith and they come to Christ, that's being fruitful. And that's the Romans passage that talks about the first fruits of a chaos. Now, I don't want to dwell on these long except to say that when the word of God is dwelling in your heart and you are taking God's word and you're faithfully acknowledging that it is his word and you're making it work and you're applying it in your life, that means you don't read the book just to see what it says. You read the book to see what to do. Big difference. When you start living like that, what happens is all of a sudden you become productive. Everything about your life changes because God's word is in you bearing its fruit in your life. Paul said, my prayer for you is that you might be filled with the word of God in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might be always walking, pleasing to the Lord, that you might be productive in your life, being fruitful in all you do. And then he adds a third thought. He says that when you are walking in such a way and living in such a way, not only will you be producing fruit consistently, but you will also be progressing in knowledge continually. How do you really learn the word of God? And this brings us full cycle, if you will, because you can't just learn the word of God by memorizing lists. When I was growing up, we were still in the cycle that the way you learn is to memorize things. Anybody else here like that? You have a test, you have to memorize a grocery list. And we, we used to have things, we call them budaks. And the budak was a little thing you learned that helped you to remember the first letter of everything you had to memorize. And I would get out of some classes and I knew all the budaks. I didn't remember any of the things that they represented. I mean, I'd get them on the test and I'd get them right and I wouldn't, I wouldn't memorize them right. You know, there's ways people say you learn and there's ways that you really learn. Let me tell you how you really learn the word of God. Because it says here that if you do what Paul prayed for you to do, you will be progressing in knowledge. It says here in this verse that you will be walking worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is a good time for us to look back over our shoulder and say, do I know more about God this year than I did last year? How do you equate that? How do you really grow as a Christian? And is it possible to be increasing in the knowledge of God? Absolutely is. It's the whole goal and purpose of Turning Point's teaching ministry. And we hope it's part of your goal for the new year as well. Say to help you get 
going in the new year every day. We have a beautiful devotional that we have created called Moments with God. It's a 392-page soft leather cover book filled with devotional information for every day of the coming year. Scripture reference that correlates to each devotional, and it's yours for a gift of any amount to Turning Point during the rest of the month of December. We ask you to think carefully about doing something unique for Turning Point this year. When you give, you make it possible for us to continue unabated into the future, telling people about the love of Jesus and instructing and encouraging them from the Word of God. Your gift is important, and we thank you ahead of time for your generosity. When you send your gift, be sure to ask for your copy of Moments with God. Well, we are coming down to the last part of the year. It's been an amazing year, a challenging year for many. And it's a year that God has promised uh, he will always be with us as he was this year. He will be so in the year to come. I hope that's the promise that's in your heart. I pray that you have a good plan ahead for the 23 season and uh, have a word maybe that God has given you for this coming year. And we will continue to try to help you prepare in the days ahead of this week as we talk about the coming new year. Tomorrow, part two of A Prayer for the New Year. Please join us then on This Good Station. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's special messages for the new year, please visit our website. There you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's 365-day devotional for 2023, Moments with God. It's a powerful tool for daily inspiration in the year ahead. Perfect as a gift or for your own study. And it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions. Get the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue our special messages for the new year on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. After rising early each working day for 55 years and spending several hours reading his Bible, the great preacher G. Campbell Morgan confessed, I have only touched the fringes of the Bible. 
He was illustrating the fact that the Bible is not a book to be mastered, but a source of daily spiritual nourishment. We can no more master the Bible than we can hope to reach the edge of the infinite universe. Instead of being frustrated with how big and challenging the Bible is, just try reading it every day as you would savor a delicious meal. Instead of mastering the Bible, let the Bible's truths master you. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's Word on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.